0: Funny, but you know, many experiences in life turn out for you better, they turn out to better you, uh, even if they didn't start that way. Have you noticed that That, that sometimes things that, that actually added to you, that worked out well for you in some way, it's only in hindsight that you, you see it. So often it's like that with humour, isn't it? Some of the funniest situations in our life began in some of the worst situations in our life. Often the things that we're still talking about are things that we never wanted to happen, but now they're part of our history. We look back and and they're some of the funniest moments, some of the highlight moments. And I think uh, I think there's there's this funny principle in that 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 somehow things can happen in life that in the moment they're not funny or in the moment they don't seem to be adding, they seem to be taking away. But with hindsight, we realise that, that some of the most difficult things sometimes are the things that actually increase us. Uh, I think that principle begins right back when you are a kid, eating your vegetables, being forced to eat your veg. Come on, who was forced to eat their veggies? Uh, I want to see who, who actually had really good parents. Who wasn't allowed to eat dessert until they'd eaten their veggies? Uh, see, there we go. None of the young ones put their hands in there. Oh, yes, they did. Jack Coughlin's got good parents. And so uh, I think that it, that principle starts right back there. But I've noticed it all through life. All through life that sometimes the things, the kind of situations that we might want to avoid end up being the very situations... That increases us as people. Have you noticed that too? No, no one else has. So I might as well go because uh, no one's on the same page as me. Maybe you're just not game. I mean, look, two years ago I had a really serious health issue. There's no way in the world I would ever pick that for myself. But when I look back, there's no doubt that it changed the way I viewed life. It changed the degree I enjoy life. Uh, you know after recovering from that and going through a bit of a process I determined to literally suck the marrow out of every minute I could and so I look back and I think though I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy uh, it wasn't necessarily a long-term bad thing because it's actually added value to my life And I think you'd find the same in your life. You might be a parent here and it's like, man, parenting kids is a difficult thing. Uh, The older they get, the more interesting it gets. And uh, it can be a really difficult thing. But when I think back at some of the, maybe some of the crunch times, some of the most difficult moments, though also maybe some of the moments that we got to know our kids better than than we ever knew them before. Uh, You could be someone, maybe you're an employer, an employer and you've had a difficult employee maybe you had to have a difficult conversation with a difficult employee if that is managed well that can actually work out for everyone's benefit you know either they go up or they go out but everyone's happy as long as it goes somewhere if you understand what i mean and so there's many things that we face in life and there's many different ways the many and varied ways that the wheels fall off in life I have got three people with me this morning. Are you okay out there? Are you frozen to your chairs? All the different ways. And it's painful. In the moment, it's painful. And there's fear involved. And there's concern. And what's going to happen next? And this isn't what I planned. This isn't the way that I envisaged it going. That's, there's all. And yet, somehow, in and it's not always, but in many of those situations, if you, if you look back, if you manage it well, if you handle it well, if you embrace the challenge well, there's this inherent, I'm a better person for it at the end of it. And I don't think that that should shock us. It shouldn't surprise us. There's a great scripture, and many of us would be familiar with this. So I want to read uh, two verses. The first one's Romans eight twenty-eight, and it says, "For we know, and we know that uh, that all things work together for the good of those that love God, to those who are called or the called according to His purpose. All things work together for good. It does not mean all things are good." It just means all things work together. If you are called according to his purpose, if you are determined to walk the path that he is calling you to, then along that journey, even if not everything is good, he is able to make things that happen work out to increase you, to benefit you for your good. And sometimes, even the destructive things, even the difficult things, the painful things, the things we would never wish on ourselves, yeah. He is able to turn it around. The next verse, verse twenty-nine, it says, uh, "For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren." In other words, what happened to Jesus was just a beginning. And it's interesting that these passages run together. All things work together for good. God is determined to make you just like his son. And he is the pattern. He is the firstborn amongst many brethren. There's many people will walk this journey of all kinds of stuff going on, but the hand of God upon it to bring increase Rather than to take away. I love the way God is able to make bad things work good. He is. And, uh, and we need to understand God does not cause bad things. God doesn't need to. I hear people say, I think God made me sick for this. No, no, don't, don't go there. Well, I think this terrible thing happened because God, no, no, no. God doesn't need to get involved in a broken world For bad things to happen It's broken, we broke it We should take responsibility for that Recognise that God is good And God is in the process of redeeming all things So God doesn't have to bring tragedy Life will bring tragedy Hang around long enough, and if you think that you're going to be immune to that, you're living in a bubble. Your illusion will be shattered. We live in a broken planet, and we have provision, we have healing, we have God looks after us and can turn even bad things around and work them into our life for our benefit, for our increase, for our good. I love that, and uh, you know, if, G- if this was Jesus' track, Jesus, you know, was Uh, Obviously went through some difficult things Well then we can't expect not to do that But I want us to stop for a moment and just think How amazing would it be if we considered that God Could use anything As I said, not cause anything But he could use anything that happened Good or bad That he could redeem That he could revalue, that he could repurpose anything that happens to actually increase us. Because that's what I believe he wants to do. That's what I believe he can do and I believe that's what he wants to do. In every situation, repurpose it, no matter what it is, no matter how destructive it might seem repurpose it to actually increase us in some way. And I want to, I want to look at this. It, the title of my message today, I've got a big title, uh, and I want to look at it in the book of Mark, but this is the title of my message. The last place you want to go is sometimes the best place to be. Yeah. The last place you want to go is sometimes the best place to be to be. Mark chapter 1 verses 9 through 13. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and he was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the spirit descending upon him like a dove. And then a voice came from heaven. Like this is an amazing scene. He's baptized. He sees the Holy Spirit in bodily form. A voice comes from heaven. God himself, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Next verse. And immediately the spirit drove him into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan and was with the wild beasts and angels ministered to him it's quite an amazing scene if you think about it and uh, and it must have been an awesome day well it started out that way you know it, jesus comes from nazareth john's baptizing and lots of activity lots of kingdom activity people are repenting for the kingdom of heaven is near and people are turning their hearts to god and then jesus arrives and uh, unlike just anyone else, as he's baptised, you know the Holy Spirit literally comes down upon him and a voice speaks from heaven. I mean, this is a good day. You're my beloved son, the affirmation of the Father. And then immediately, the Spirit, notice the Spirit, not the devil, Drove him into the wilderness where it all seemed to go downhill almost from there. Who's ever had a day, a perfectly good day, turned to mud? Had a perfectly good day. I can see that I'm finally winning some of you. Whether it's a day, whether it's a season, whether it's just a situation, it starts great, it's looking good, and then all of a sudden the wheels came off for Jesus. He went from the elation of baptism to the reality of the battle before him. Uh, just so you know too, we, for, you, for the baptism candidates, all six of you last week, you know, if you're here in the services, we prayed for you last week, because often just after baptism, uh, things get interesting. So we prayed for you. The Judean wilderness is part of the Negev desert. It's 16,000 square kilometres. That's where Jesus went. He goes from the baptism, the elation, the Father's voice into the northern tip of 16,000 square kilometres of desert and rock which to this day is still largely uninhabited because it's just simply uninhabitable and all I want us to notice is it's probably the last place you'd think a loving God would take you who's ever been the last place you thought a loving God would take you and I just want to look at this passage really quickly and then I'm going to ask you some questions in a few minutes time but It says that the spirit drove him, the Greek word is actually ekbalo, this original language word, it means to cast out, literally to deprive of the power and the authority that is available to you, to cast out, so it's like that's the subjective to cast out, to deprive from the power and authority that's available to you. In other words, Jesus went from this place of the Father is happy with me to actually being separated from, to a place of potential vulnerability. I'm sure that's exactly how he felt, marching off into the desert. When it refers to a thing, this Greek word ekbalo Literally means excrement from the belly into the sink. In other words, it means to vomit. It means to spew. For those of us who were here last week, and we were talking about the devil. Maybe it's where they got movies like The Exorcist from, I'm not sure. It also means to expel a person from a society, to banish from a family. The most common, and obviously with these inferences around this word, ekbalah, it is the most common word used all through the Gospels when Jesus casts out a demon. So here the scripture is literally saying, uh, the spirit did to Jesus what Jesus did to the devil. He would cast him out and the spirit of God cast Jesus out. In one sense, that's, that's one whole side of the meaning of the word. The, that It's got another meaning to it. I love Greek words because they're so rich, but the abstract meaning is this. Ekbalo, to cause a thing to move straight onto its intended goal. So there's one thought where Jesus is removed from his power, authority, separated from family, separated from the Father. After a moment of intimacy, my great day turns to mud and I feel like I've been pushed out of where I really want to be into somewhere I really don't want to be. But as a matter of fact, God's plan in it is to send me straight onto my intended path. Wow, I wonder how much of God or I wonder how much God has done that in our lives at times, while we have kicked and screamed all the way. And sometimes only in hindsight realizing, man, if I'd have known how God would make this work out, if I'd known what had worked in my heart, I might have just embraced the pain a little bit easier. If I'd have known that, He was actually trying to push me into my intended place. And that's the thought that this word contains both those thoughts, being thrust out, but being purposed, being straightened out, being sent straight to your purpose. And it's an amazing thing how God is able to accomplish both things at once. Or to be able to work even the worst circumstances, the worst feeling circumstances together for our good. So that in the end it adds to us and it increases us. It doesn't take away from us. Second thing that I see here is uh, obviously Jesus goes into the wilderness. And this is where his faith and his integrity is tested. Uh, And it's proven there. He proves himself. He stands his ground. He answers the devil. He passes the testings. And, and you know, often, I, I think sometimes, you know, it is really dangerous to get comfortable. There's a lot of temptation in comfort, but there is undoubtedly temptation in dryness, too. When we get into dry places in our lives, we get into a, a bit of a wilderness feeling and we're tempted to feel sorry for ourselves and we we're, we're tempted to lose faith we're tempted to give up we're we're tempted to push back we're tempted to to speak badly well is that just me I don't think it's just me yet it was in that dry place in that hard place where he felt like he'd been thrust out of the family felt like the authority and power that was naturally available to him was not actually naturally available to him he's hungry he fasts for 40 days he's starving literally and is tempted at the lowest point and yet prevails because Ultimately, you know, when all the supports are on and when, when life's good, it, it's not hard to say you're a believer. And sometimes we don't even know what's in us until we get in a place that we don't want to be. But sometimes the last place that you want to go is the best place you can be. To actually know what's even in your own heart. Actually know whether your faith works or not. And Jesus proves it here. Not only does he prove himself there, he's added to there. If, if I could use that term, seems strange to use it about the son of God, but the spirit did something there. Something changes and it changes enough for people to recognize it. In his gospel, Luke puts it this way. Luke 4.14 Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. So he goes out driven by the Spirit. He returns in the power of the Spirit. And news of him went out through all the surrounding region. That Jesus is back. Verse 15 says, And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he went to his baptism. He had a glorious day that turns to mud. He goes to the desert for 40 days. He's tested. He's tempted. He's pushed. He hangs on to his faith. And something shifts. I don't know whether it shifts in Jesus. I mean, he was perfect anyway. But I tell you what, something shifted in the minds of people. And he comes back and it's like this, this guy, there's something about him. Have you ever noticed that? Anyone who goes through something yet does it well commands a respect, commands something, there's something on their life. It it changes you and it changes the perception that people around you have of you. If I could put it this way, it adds credibility, it adds weight. The scripture would say, Paul says that we are being changed, transformed from glory to glory. And that that word literally means weightiness, as in a, a king's glory. They have authority, they have weight, they have substance as a person. And Paul says that that's what the Spirit of God wants to do in you, shift you from glory to glory. From weight to weight for you to grow in your substance as a person. And there's sometimes no other way to do that than facing the most difficult circumstances of life and doing it well. Sometimes the last place we want to go is the best place we can be. And so the Spirit adds to him in that sense. I think often for us, it's you know when we start with something as an as an external concept that we give mental assent to, and then it's the situations of life where that becomes an internalized principle that we truly believe. And you see this in people that have been through tough times and have made it out the other side and done it well from soldiers to cancer survivors. You see it on their life. You see an increased weight. You see a glory on their life. That they've actually been somewhere that no one would want to go. And somehow it has changed their substance as a person. The last thought I want to look at in the passage of Scripture, and then I'm going to ask us some questions about our own lives. But Again, the last place you want to go is sometimes the first place God takes you. Jesus hadn't done anything. You know, it's, a, it's an amazing thing to me, but we don't know much about most of Jesus' life. Twelve years of age is the last mention of him in Scripture until he turns up <clears throat> to be baptised. So basically 18 years of Jesus' life are a mystery. We only know two things about it. He grew in favour and stature with men and with God. All we knew is that he was increasing, he was growing, but that's the only detail that, that scripture gives us. And, and really then he goes to enter his ministry, be baptised, and that was a, a, that could be a declaration of many things. John was preaching a baptism of repentance, but when Jesus came, he recognised, Jesus, you're the last one who needs repentance. He said, let it be so to fulfil all righteousness. So it was probably him publicly declaring that I now will begin to teach. And so the first place that God takes him is not to the synagogue he's come to proclaim my ministry has begun wouldn't you think the spirit it would be just the way we would think naturally about it is that Jesus turns up after 18 years of obscurity John baptizes him he's the perfect lamb of God he's come to preach to teach to show the kingdom and it should say and the spirit led him gently into the synagogue where he wowed everyone And sometimes we have that impression of how our Christian journey should be. And I'm sorry, I've got to apologise for for preachers, and I certainly would have been one of them at some point in my ministry, at many points, that gave anyone the impression that it's just going to be smooth sailing because you follow Jesus. No, no, no. God's purpose, you know, I, I love prosperity. I am believing for prosperity out of out of our heart for the housegiving, I do for my family every time. Sue and I have already begun to participate in that. But Jesus didn't come to prosper you, ultimately. That might be part of it. He didn't come to make you feel better. <laughs> he didn't come to give us fantastic opportunities, although all those things might happen. Ultimately, he came so that you would be conformed to his image we've had it in an earlier scripture there's the whole purpose of God that we have been predestined God's God's predetermination for us is that we would be made like his son which means whatever has to happen (laughs) to help us get out of this world's mould and allow God to shape us is actually a good thing And if we've got pride and it's holding us back and something's got to hit us and break that, shatter that pride, if we've got self-reliance, if we've got greed or fear or lust or whatever it is in our heart and something has to happen to shatter that and break that and bring us back to a moldable piece of clay, then it's a good thing. God is working all things together. For your good, because the best you'll be is conformed to his image. And I wonder, you know, if, if, if the last place you want to go is the first place that God has often determined to take us, I wonder how much development we miss because we aren't willing. You know, because we practice avoidance sometimes. If we're honest, we all do, don't we? We simply jump ship sometimes, spit the dummy sometimes. We go under our circumstances rather than rising, allowing the storm to lift us. But what I want us to notice is no matter how difficult Jesus' situation was, provision was still there. The the last part of the story is, and the angels ministered. Yes, there is a devil. Yes, there is hunger. Yes, there is wilderness. Yes, there is being pushed out of the family. Yes, there is being pushed out of the provision, the authority, the power, your place. There's all that bad stuff. And the last line says, and the angels ministered to him there. So even when we get pushed out of something and we find ourselves In the last place we want to be. Can I just encourage you? I guarantee you provision is there. If you don't let that thing roll over you but you determine to rise to it, you will find the provision of God in that thing, in the midst of that difficult circumstance, in the midst of that difficult situation, in the midst of struggles with health, or struggles with finance, or struggles in your marriage, or with your children, or in the marketplace, wherever it is, if you determine that God can work all things together for good, and I'm determined, I do not want to miss the lesson I want to let him work something in me that increases me as a person. Then God's provision will be there every time, just like it was for Jesus, which made me think I need to respond better because just say this is just my journaling, just preaching some journaling this morning. And, And one of my prayers at the end of it was I need to respond better when I end up in a difficult and uncomfortable place. God, forgive me for my attitude. Forgive me for trying to practice avoidance. Forgive me for not seeing you at work, even in the worst circumstances, making sure they turn out for my good. And we find ourselves in painful situations and painful seasons for all kinds of reasons. I mean, you know, some of these are my own doing when I think about it. Painful seasons I've ended up in, painful situations. Some of them are the doings of others, and you have no control over it, which is really frustrating. Um, you know, some of them are the doings of a broken world. You didn't ask for it, but hey, stuff happens, life happens. And maybe even some of it is God. Maybe God does even occasionally bring a storm on the lake. But ultimately, whatever caused it, however you got where you are, God can use it to increase you, to put a stamp of authority on you, to, to put a stamp of glory on you, to literally increase you as a person so that you are more substantial, you carry more weight as a person because the way that you've dealt with the trials of life make you stand out. So I don't want to avoid or reject a moment or a season that is divinely ordained to add to me, to increase me. Because, you know, if you fail to understand that God could use even the difficult things, then there's no purpose. There is no point to suffering. Suffering just sucks and that's it. But actually, Scripture would teach us that, and again, New Testament, I could just go to direct passages, but suffering increases us. As people, if we just got to sit on a beach in the Bahamas all our life, we would not be substantial people. We'd probably be fat. We we might be happy for a while, but we certainly wouldn't be people of substance. And and please don't misread this message as a message of you know you know uh, look for pain. Of course we don't do that. That's just dumb. As I said, you don't need to look for pain. Life will bring it to you. The difference is how do we respond when pain is knocking at our door? And can we see that in spite of our pain, in spite of the difficulty of the situation, the circumstance, the season that we find ourselves in, can we believe that God is able to work all things together for good? And in the midst of our lack of understanding, Faith says, I trust you, Jesus, that you are doing something in me. Because when we find ourselves in pain, we often, we ask the wrong questions. It's only natural, but we do. Here's some of the wrong questions, and I'm going to finish with some of the right questions. You doing okay? Is this speaking to anyone? You got real quiet again. I mean, I got you moving there for a minute, but now you're really quiet. Here's some of the wrong questions. God, what are you doing? You can put your hand up if you want, if you've ever asked that. God, except it's normally like this, isn't it? God, what are you doing? God, where are you? God, why are you letting this happen? And honestly, anyone who's been a follower of Jesus for longer than five minutes has asked those questions at some point. But I think maybe the most helpful and profound question I have found, I've discovered to ask, possibly the only appropriate one in view of scripture, is this. God, what are you doing in me? What are you doing in me? Uh, maybe this is a, a way of asking it. Asking of ourselves, testing ourselves. How well do I respond when faced with the desert experiences? How well do I respond? Another way of putting it is do I resent difficult moments in my life or look for the lesson in them? Do I resent them or do I look for the lesson? Another way of putting it is, have I allowed some of the difficult moments of my life to internalize what I believe is true but was never forced to practice? The difficult moments. Stuff like faith, joy, integrity, perseverance, peace. Stuff I believe in. Stuff I'm, I, I, I ascribe, I'm, hey, I'm subscribed to the newsletter. but it's only in the difficult moments that you actually have to practice what you say you believe. Are we willing to do that and allow God to add to us? Because surely that's what happens when we, when we do the tough and the difficult season well, when we face it head on with the spirit of faith, believing that God, with God, all things are possible. And no matter what happens, he's able to work it somehow into my life for good then you change. You change. Here's another question. What opportunities might I be missing right now because I'm avoiding the pain? To build my, to build my faith, to build my joy, my ability to practice joy in the midst of joyless circumstances. I mean... What might I be missing because of fear, because of a a fear of confrontation, because of dry times? What what am I missing because I'm running away from what I could actually embrace and let God increase me through? Or I could put it this way. Could God be wanting to use some of the difficult circumstances in my life to increase me in some way, to develop resilience, to develop my character, to develop my faith, to develop my integrity? again to develop my joy beyond the happenings of life and the last question is, is where can I embrace the lesson in my pain <clears throat> and look I'm, I'm fully aware there could be people here and there will be people here and it's like man but you don't know my situation Uh, You you don't know how difficult it is. And and I don't. That's the truth. I I do think God does understand. And as I said, I've got to be very careful. I'm not saying God caused it. God doesn't need to bring pain to us in a broken world. A broken world will bring that. But God is able to take that situation, take that circumstance actually somehow work it for good as difficult as that can be to see or to embrace and you look at Jesus as an example and it's like from the best day to the worst day all in the same day and how often is that like our lives and yet in the midst of being taken to the last place you'd wish on anyone and being confronted by the full force of just everything that was standing against him he found the provision of God in it it somehow added to him and he returned and people took notice of him on a whole nother level and I've really just got the sense that for some of you to make sense of some of the pain that's, that's what God can do If you let him. If you let him. Could we all stand this morning? You know, I think God's word is an amazing thing. It never ceases to amaze me as I journal, as I study. After all these years of following Jesus, and I'm reading books like Mark, the simplest gospel of the four, and it still keeps coming alive, and it's still fresh, and it's still speaks to our everyday circumstances it's the beauty of God's word and and, you know if you're here today and and you just had a sense and that message really resonated with you you know that God is is just speaking to you about your situation and I'm going to ask everyone to to bow their heads and why don't we just close our eyes but if, if you really appreciate prayer why don't you just lift your hand right where you are we're going to pray father I thank you for for so many people Father, who are on the journey, who are experiencing different things, have experienced different things, are living with ongoing situations. Father, I thank you for meeting them. I thank you, Father, for a release of faith to see you in the midst of those circumstances. I thank you, Father, that you are at work. We can trust you, that you are at work, no matter what we see, no matter what we don't see. We can trust that you are at work working things together somehow for good in our lives. You're able to take anything and turn it around, flip it, redeem it, repurpose it, revalue it in our lives and bring something beautiful out of it. Bring increase of substance in our lives. And I pray for that for everyone right now who's reaching out to you in Jesus' Jesus wonderful name. Jesus' wonderful name. Amen how about we put our hands down but keep our eyes just closed for a moment and uh and i, I just want to speak to you today if you're here and maybe church is not your regular thing uh, we have have people visit all the time at new hope and maybe church is not your regular thing um but this morning you know as i've, I've spoken maybe something's resonated with you that how good would it be if life wasn't just messy but but purpose could come out of that. That redirection could come out of that. That somehow God could, could work good even in your circumstances, which at times have been really, really difficult and really, really painful. Uh, I know that that's what God wants to do in every one of our lives. Every one of our lives. And, and I think taking a step of faith and trust in Him is, is the beginning of that. Is the beginning of that. Uh, if God works all things together for good, then you're not here by accident today you're here because he loves you and he has a purpose for you and in the closing moments of this service I always give an opportunity for people to connect their life with the life of God because God loves you God has a purpose for you God is able to turn things around God is able to even make things that that seem so destructive make sense on some level and, uh, and maybe you're here today and you just recognise you need a saviour you need to meet this God who can can make sense of a messy world uh, and and in a few moments time we're going to pray a simple prayer that's like a prayer of commitment and I want to invite you to pray that with us but while every head is bowed every eye is closed would you just take a step of faith raise up your hand and say Chris that's me just wherever you are you don't need to say anything but to, that's what you're saying by raising your hand is as, as Chris Chris that's what I need. I need Jesus in my life. I need God to come in and begin making sense of some of the things in my life. I need God to come in and repurpose some situations, redeem some situations, you know, basically buy them back out of brokenness, out of destruction, change, turn things around for good. Just going to look around just one more time. Come on, if that's you, just raise your hand right we I won't prolong it. I just want to give everyone the opportunity. Wonderful. That's fantastic. Cool. Okay, you can look at me and well, why not look at the screen and we're going to pray this. And if you responded and I didn't see your hand or if you, were, you know, didn't quite get to that point, but on the inside, you're like, man, I want God to do something in me. Can I encourage you? Just make this prayer your own. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for forgiving me. Come into my life i'll follow you amen 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 you know what god's good this world isn't always but god always is and he's always at work making even the most difficult things work out for our good and and that can be hard to get your mind around but that is the god we serve so bless you as you serve him this week